Stu's coming up. Monday edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. It is awesome to have you aboard on uh, this Monday, October 10th, which in Canada is known as Thanksgiving Monday. Um, We celebrate in October. Americans celebrate in November. And our Thanksgiving, for any American fans watching out there, is is nothing like yours. Uh, We eat turkey. We watch a little football, and that's the where the similarities end. There are no crazy shopping deals or flights or anything like that. It's a more relaxed, casual weekend. Um, not to say that we don't enjoy yours, because football on Thursdays during the day is awesome. Anyway, it is Thanksgiving Monday, uh, so we will chat uh, about certainly things that we are thankful for today. On the program, I'm thankful that I have uh, two hours every day where I get to uh, throw my opinions out there uh, towards you and hopefully influence some of you. Uh, Welcome to everybody who's watching on Twitch. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are here Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. Andy McNamara is here on Sundays with Ultimate Fantasy Football at 11 a.m. Eastern, getting you ready for the season. And, of course, you can catch this show on replays on YouTube, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, and in podcast format as well. Just search Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, If you're watching on Twitch, thank you very much. Drop in where you're watching from. And also, do know that if you would like this show free of commercials... You just have to pay a full subscription and you're in. And then you get uh, to watch this show uh, completely free of commercial distractions. All right, uh, really awesome show lined up for you today. My man Larry Fisher, the Hockey Encyclopedia. And uh, for kids out there that you don't know what that term means, ask your parents. They'll know. Larry joins us back on the show um, to give us his NHL power rankings, his UFHL power rankings. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's been a while since we chatted with Larry. He did so much for this platform. So looking forward to that conversation, and I'm sure you're looking forward to uh, his power rankings. I know Belly Up Podcast power rankings fired some people up. Jamie Thomas makes his Monday uh, usual spot. He's with Jets Radio. Preseason continues, of course, uh, for the NHL. And we're going to dive into Major League Baseball playoffs. We will dive into what is happening in the NFL. Tom Brady is playing in bubble wrap now. I mean, the rushing the passer that was called against the Falcons in that game yesterday should not even have been called in two-hand touch. It was embarrassing. And that kept the drive alive. And 
This is what I'm saying. I'm telling you. Tom Brady put up a lot of stats, but this guy is getting... This guy gets so much preferential treatment. And it, listen, I know... You know, you know what? Actually, I've been... Also, before I get into that, we'll get it. We'll have a dauber hockey double shot of the Kraken and the Blues. Just quickly, I was rethinking how I determine a goat. Who is a a goat in in the world of sports and things like that? I'm almost thinking you have to be a child prodigy to be a true goat, like a true goat. And in that instance, Tom Brady wouldn't. Gretzky. Boom. Tiger Woods, he's got it. You're on the Ed Sullivan show or whatever he was on. Maybe it wasn't the Ed Sullivan show. That was the Beatles. But anyway, um, I I just think it's uh, just rethinking my GOAT status. I think you have to be like right true phenom from his kid. Anyway, I also think Tom Brady's getting some crazy calls, and that was ridiculous that extended that drive uh, for the Buccaneers yesterday. Wild. All right. Our question of the day. Who is underrated in fantasy football right now? Who out there, in your opinion, is underrated when it comes to fantasy football? The guy I'm going with is Saquon Barkley from the New York Giants. And you might think that's weird, but Saquon Barkley had, you know, a lot of people had written this guy off. He was RB11 in a lot of drafts, but right now he's RB2 in standard leagues, delivering 17.8 points per game, only behind Nick Chubb, who kept it going against uh, the Chargers yesterday. Barkley had that monster game in week one, dipped in week two, but then bounced back, and he said, I'm motivated, I want to prove people wrong, and he settled in nicely. For the four and one Giants. He's also getting more involved in the passing game. 36 yards receiving this week, six targets to go along with his 70 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He has a career high 3.2 yards per carry before contact right now. And he's taking direct snaps. He's in the Wildcat formation. I mean, I, I think Saquon Barkley is uh, t- just a great revelation this year of a guy coming back from the injuries that had plagued him. Where there's some other guys that not so much. So who is your, uh, who's a guy who you think is underrated in fantasy football this season? You can hit me up in the Twitch chat. You can also uh, get me on Twitter at Duck Millard, or you can reach us at UFS Network on Twitter. So weigh in on uh, everything that you are seeing this year in fantasy football and uh, let me know what you think. Nick T, VIP, chiming in, saying, looking forward to Larry's predictions. And how about Geno Smith? Yeah, no kidding, eh? 75.2 completion percentage, over 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, only two picks. He almost has 100 fantasy points. 
Geno Smith's passer rating this past weekend? 139.7. 268 yards, three touchdowns. This guy has seven touchdowns in his last three games. Nine on the season. You're darn right, Nick. That guy is definitely underrated. Now, when does the bubble burst? That's the question. If if you have Geno, you should be selling high now. And if not, I'd be wary. I'd be wary about that bubble bursting. But that is a really, really good one. Geno Smith, definitely underrated. All right, here are our top three today. Uh, We're talking about NFL teams six weeks in. Who are your top three teams right now? Um, I guess almost six weeks in. And the reason I don't have the Chiefs on here is because they haven't played in week six. So I don't think it's terribly fair to put them on this list when they could end up having a massive game and be up higher than some of these teams or a terrible game and be justified. So uh, they get an honorable mention, but I don't think there's any doubt for anybody about the Philadelphia Eagles being the best team and the only undefeated team in the NFL. Now... The Eagles are not exactly dominating as of late, but what they are doing is showing adversity, and they, they showed that against the uh, the Cardinals. And they also benefited from St. Louis or Arizona making some mistakes. But this is the thing. When the Eagles' offense struggles a little bit, which has not been often. Their defense is so good. So they have everything going right now. The only thing that stops the Eagles right now is health. Jalen Hurts, again, delivers with another strong game. And I think people doubted Jalen Hurts, in my opinion, I think people early in his career doubted Jalen Hurts because of every all the other running quarterbacks. I think it was a symptom of the league at the time. And like, oh, here's another running quarterback that's not going to be able to throw the ball. Well, he's thrown a few. He ran in two touchdowns. He had gone away from rushing in touchdowns the last couple of weeks. So Jalen Hurts... Goes 26 of 36, 230 yards, 61 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. 27 fantasy points in standard leagues. And he was going up a guy, and a guy like Kyler Murray, who gets a lot more hype, in my opinion, for doing, at the very most, the same thing. So people sleeping on Jalen Hurts... I don't know why they would be six weeks in now. And after last year, he was very good as well. He's going to be top five quarterback, top three. I've been saying it for weeks. The Buffalo Bills, they probably could be here. But at times the Bills have just, I don't know, I I don't want to say disinterested because I don't think a professional team, but just just not 100% flowing all the time. 
And obviously that's why they lost a game against Miami. But when they are flowing, they are strutting. Like when they are on, they're the team nobody wants to play because, and they've been, they, they have a bit of pedigree because they've been doing it for a couple of years now. They have the, the pieces, I think, the the missing pieces on defense, Josh Allen. They have the receivers. Um, their running game isn't fantasy awesome, but it gets it done. And the reason I'm putting the 49ers on here is they have everything except for the Jalen Hurts and the Josh Allen. They got Jimmy Garoppolo. Their, their, their Jalen Hurts and, and Jalen Allen is hurt. But they have Jimmy G. And you know what? An Eagles 49ers, Bills, let's say Chiefs, final four would be pretty awesome. So, I don't know. They have lots of weapons on both sides of the ball. A quarterback who makes smart decisions. A really good play caller on both offense and defense. Some people say the best defensive coordinator in the league. And you know what? For the people that say the 49ers are good, but they got Jimmy G. There's no but. It's the 49ers are good and they have Jimmy G. It's like Jalen Hurts. People finally coming around. Well, not finally. They just He's a young guy. Jimmy G has been doubted. I said earlier he's going to be important to the 49ers. And he has been. He has been. So there's my top three in the NFL. Nick TVIP saying Seahawks fan saying Russell Wilson who? Well, look at things. Look at look at the turn of events. It's wild when when you look at what is the the gong show that is Denver right now. And Seattle. Who would have predicted these two teams would have the same record? I think most people thought Denver was going to be a lot better with this addition. But the the, the decisions in coaching have been just absolutely bizarre. And just mind-blowingly bad at times. So that's my top three. I would love to know, and like I said, the reason I don't have the Chiefs in is because they're playing tonight. And and they could do many awesome things or they could absolutely tank it. We'll see. But fun Monday night game tonight between the Chiefs and the Raiders. There are so many fantasy options in this game. And it likely means a lot of fantasy matchups are still to be decided. What's your score? What is your fantasy matchup heading into the Monday Nighter? Are you strutting or are you sweating? The the matchup I am in tonight is, it's wild. Like, I am going into a game in a touchdown-only league up 27-20. 
I've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Josh Jacobs, and I'm facing Mahomes and Darren Waller. Oh, by the way, I'm a Raiders fan. So this is going to be a tough night for me. It's going to be a tough night. You know, cheering against the Chiefs is never hard, but cheering for Alaire to run in some touchdowns so Patrick Mahomes doesn't get any points will be quite difficult. If you'd like to make a bet on this game and do it responsibly, head to my Twitter account, at DuckMillard. Use the link in my bio, get 125% bonus on sports. You can use it tonight. We'll get in some prop bets a little bit later on for the Monday night football game. Uh, But what's the score in your fantasy football game? What is the score? Are you sweating or are you strutting when it comes to fantasy football tonight? And the haunt saying, how about the Jets? Yeah, the, like there's some big surprises in New York this year. Both baseball teams made the playoffs and the, the Mets crashed and burned. The Giants are 4-1. and one, The Jets are 3-2. and two. There's a lot of buzz about the Rangers. I mean, New York is usually a pretty great place to be, I'm guessing. But right now, the Big Apple is the big nut when it comes to sports. They've got everything going for them. And, like, for for somebody who's lived through the Tom Brady Patriot domination, to see Buffalo 4-1, and one, like, you imagine if somebody woke up from a 20, like a 15-year coma, and they're like, the Patriots are 2-3, and three, the Bills are 4-1, and one, and the Jets are 3-2? and two? They, would, they would be very bizarre. Very, very bizarre, I would think. Indeed. All right, uh, we have a lot of stuff uh, to get to. Uh, Before we get into our next guest, we do need to talk about uh, the big story today in the NFL, and that is the first coach has been fired. And Jamie Thomas called it last week. He said Matt Rule will be the first NFL coach fired, and the Carolina Panthers obliged. The Panthers had an NFL worst 271 yards per game. They had lost 25 in a row when allowing 17 points, which is not a lot of points. 17 points is not a lot. When you have lost 25 in a row, that means you probably should have been fired earlier. QB rating, last. Offensive efficiency, last. Yards per game, you guessed it, last. Child, please. So Matt Rule is out, and like I said, my man Jamie Thomas called it last week saying this will be the first coach fired, and indeed, uh, the past. I'm pretty sure other people were saying it too. I'm going to guess Jamie wasn't the only guy saying it, but he did say it on this show. So uh, we'll chat with him a little bit about that uh, a little bit later, but When we come back, he's going to return to the show. Larry Fisher will make some fearless predictions when it comes to the National Hockey League. Playoff teams in and out. Stanley Cup finalist and champion. And some major awards when it comes to individual players. Also, for you ultimate fantasy hockey fans, owners, and GMs, Larry's going to unveil his power rankings. Speaking of power rankings, 
Have you ever had an owner of a league do power rankings? Well, you now have because uh, breaking news in the UFHL today, and fittingly, we're having the the insider on, uh, the man who broke all the big news in the UFHL, but Kyle Hall, who used to host this show, joined us uh, last week to talk about the Rangers and unveil his power rankings, has purchased the Warriors for 2000 USD. So it's all coming together. It's like six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. All right, when we come back, we're going to dive into Larry Fisher, his uh, predictions for the NHL, his fearless predictions when it comes to the UFHL and the power rankings, and whatever else uh, goes on. Maybe there's some breaking news that he'll tell us about as well. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back in just a second. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It is just after 4.22 uh, in the uh, Eastern time zone. My name is Dean Millard. Welcome back. Uh, if you did pop out for a quick drink uh, to Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily here on uh, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, our Twitch channel, uh, and our uh, YouTube, and of course, uh, we put this show out in a podcast format Audio format, if you would like to get that, uh, check it out on uh, your commute or uh, whatever it is uh, where you listen to your podcast. All right, uh, time to bring in a good friend of mine and a a guy who uh, is responsible for a lot of great things that have happened uh, in UFFS and particularly UFHL. Uh, He is known as the insider, uh, Larry Fisher, joining me back on the show. Uh, Great to see you once again, my man, on this show. And uh, I know uh, that you have to be just uh, as excited as everybody else about uh, tomorrow night and the start of the NHL season and not having to see preseason games anymore. Um, excited? Is this is this sort of like uh, Christmas Eve uh, a little bit for you? It's the season of optimism, Dean. Everybody's excited uh, in, in 32 different uh, NHL cities and, and 32 different uh, UFHL franchises. Uh, this is Christmas Eve for, for the hockey world. And, and obviously that preseason drags on a little long. I think everybody was 
ready to get it going, but we've seen some roster moves uh, in both leagues over the last 24, 48 hours, and opening night rosters are getting set, and the, the puck will drop uh, with the, the two games tomorrow night, so can't wait. Strange with those early games as well uh, in Europe that, you know, there's still preseason games going on. I'm sure most head-to-head leagues are just rolling it into one, kind of like you do at the All-Star game. But uh, certainly when you're in leagues as uh, detailed as as we have in the UFHL, it it takes some uh, working to, to work around regular season games while the preseason is still going on and waiver moves. Uh, but it's it's amazing. This time every year, I, I mean, there, there you can do definitely uh, reality shows on July 1st of the trade deadline. You could probably do one around now in the NHL with the amount of names that hit waivers and the speculation if anybody's going to get claimed because the reality is every team is trying to sneak somebody through so they don't always have room to say, oh, that guy's available. Let's Let's sneak him onto our roster. Yeah, five of 64 in the NHL got claimed today, Dean. So that's actually, you know, I always set the, the over-under at about two or three, you know. Yeah. So five would have been the over today. Uh, a couple surprising guys like a Jared Tenorti uh, going to Chicago. But again, a team like Chicago, Luke Richardson, he's going to want to play a, a big, tough style. They didn't have a lot of toughness there. So they're bringing in somebody to protect uh, as they bring in some some young guys and certainly going forward to have him in their system, but uh, some surprising claims there. And I believe Dean, there's going to be, you know, more than a similar number, probably close to 64 or 50 plus in the UFHL uh, tomorrow as well, hitting the waiver wires. It'll be interesting to see if the UFHL has five claims uh, or less. I I think again, you can set the over under at two or three, but certainly there's uh, potential for some musical chairs with goaltenders uh, among other positions. Uh, in the UFHL, and, and again, everybody's trying to fit, find that one last piece to the puzzle uh, before before the real games get going on Tuesday. Like I said, Dean, that, the two early games in Europe, a uh, very strange scenario because San Jose and Nashville, they didn't have to be cap compliant. They didn't have to be down to 23 players. They were carrying 27. So they still had to make all their cuts today and, and get compliant for, for the rest of the regular season now as well. But uh, Everybody's excited, and, and Nashville's already uh, two points or four points up on the rest of the field, having swept that global series. You know, I'm I'm just looking at the like the auction page for the UFHL today is just massive because all these teams are are trying to sneak guys through waivers. Uh, we we have made one claim, definitely. We're we're, we're going to try and make a claim uh, in the UFHL for a player as well. I'm I'm, I'm not going to just say who it is uh, just yet, but uh, we will try and take a, a player off there. I don't know if we'll get him or not, but you know, this is a, it's an interesting way to kind of speculate because most of these guys that are being put on waivers have already been put on waivers in the NHL. So they're not going to do you any good. You're hoping that they're the first call up or something like that. If you have room, because they got to go on your active roster. And the NHL, Dean, a lot of these waiver moves, you have to remember, are cap gymnastics. A guy like Mike Riley, a guy like Nick Foligno, they're probably not going to the AHL. They're going to be on the NHL roster. Ironically, both those players are available on UFHL waivers as well. Likely their franchise. Well, in the Gators case, Dean, uh, they're not cap compliant to start the year. They could be if they put Laurent Brassois, their backup goaltender, on LTIR, which Vegas is going to do. That saves like $2.3 million, and then they'd have to waive a guy like Alex Bray-Boulet or somebody to that effect. So, uh, And that would give them the $3 million cap space they need. But they also had the option of let's just waive Mike Riley, get a bidding war going because there are teams that have cap room in the UFHL. Uh, see who wants to get in a bidding war on Mike Riley. Take back that score coin for our operating budget this year 
within the UFHL and then, you know, wait and see what happens with Brassois or, or still put them on LTIR and give themselves a, a little more cap space to maybe go out and claim a different player that they like more. But uh, definitely interesting times in, in both the NHL and the UFHL and seeing a lot of the same names hit the waiver wire in, in both leagues. We'll see if uh, a guy like Mike Riley can sneak through in the UFHL, but I'm sure uh, teams with cap space see a player like him to be quite valuable despite the price tag. And not surprising, it's why uh, um, the Gators put Bear Boulay on the trade block today because they're going to put him on waivers right away. The same reason we were trying to trade Nick Patan uh, before we put him on waivers and things like that. So you try to get anything you can, and if not, uh, you, you put him in your reserve list or you, you get the uh, the money back for operating costs. Well, uh, speaking of uh, some of those teams that you were just talking about and the Gators in particular, uh, they are one of your top 10 teams as we reveal Larry Fisher's power rankings highly coveted uh, very much uh, people looking forward to these rankings especially after the belly up podcast rankings came out over the weekend and really ruffled some feathers not duck feathers we liked where they had us but ruffled a lot of feathers and we know these power rankings i i don't know why larry i think there's a bit of insecurity with some franchises when they see their teams up here I have zero problem seeing Duckman's down low because we haven't been very good and we want to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. So I think there's a bit of an insecurity issue with some franchises when they see power rankings. Let's see what your power rankings do to the rest of the league. Uh, I'll give you the floor to take us through your power rankings. To start, Dean, I'll just preface it by saying parody is alive and well in the UFHL. Uh, there are tiers here, you know, uh, including, you know, Duckman's, uh, you know, down low, but up 12 spots from where you finished last season speaks to the, the work that Duckman's domination put in in the offseason, acquiring stars like Nikita Kucherov. But to go from 32 to 20 is a big jump. But obviously, you mentioned all the other power rankings that are coming in. Uh, Commissioner Andrea Krandek's done a great job reaching out to different media outlets, getting them a, interested in the league, but B, get them uh, involved in, in doing power rankings. Hey, come check out our roster and, and our scoring system, and you tell us how you, an, an outsider opinion. If I'm the insider, we got some, some outsiders weighing in. Even Kyle Hall, you mentioned, Dean, the, the newest owner in the UFHL, bought the Warriors franchise. I got him ranked at number 30th overall going into the season, a potential Bedard lottery-type team. But uh, you look at Kyle's power rankings, he had the Bentley Jacks in the top 10, and I have them at 32. So uh, it's very interesting from one ranking to the next, team. But in my rankings and based on tiers, uh, one to five I got as a, as a top tier. Originally, I had it one, two, and then a, a second tier of three to, three to eight kind of thing. And, and the more I looked at it, the more I felt any of those top five teams are capable of winning the Founders Trophy, including the defending regular season champion Royals. Uh, I know there's a lot of, lot of I've seen them uh, down in 17 on some and yeah. into the 20s. Uh, you know, the, the rebuild, maybe Arnie's word rebuild got stuck in a lot of people's heads uh, this offseason, but the Royals are still a force to be reckoned with. I think the Grizzlies, uh, especially with their, their rookies looking so well coming out of the preseason with Kuzmenko and Holloway, uh, looking like they'll be impactful players. The Grizzlies are strong. Red Army's a popular pick. Uh, I, I think all five belly up uh, podcast or all five belly up uh, writers picked Red Army at number one, as did Kyle Hall. That's totally plausible. Uh, very young team. They're a team that's a uh, franchise that's going to be able to maximize games played because they do have so many waiver exempt uh, prospects, rookies that are currently in the NHL. 
So look for Red Army to, if, if Jeff Ray wants to, he can maximize his games played at a level that other franchises can't. And a lot of young guys that should really take a jump this year uh, towards becoming, you know, point per game guys, guys like Jack Hughes, uh, expect him to hit over 80 points. Trevor Zegras could be flirting within that, you know, 70, 80 range. Uh, and Alexis Lafreniere is probably going to, this will be the year he pops as well. Uh, I still have the Yetis on top, Dean, uh, when, I, when, when the dust settled. Uh, I think Scott Lowater did a great job this offseason of realizing that defense and forward points in, in the UFHL are valued the same. Well, when it comes to shots on goal, all those sort of extra categories, forwards tend to contribute more than defensemen in the UFHL. Uh, he traded a lot of his high-priced defensemen in order to acquire uh, value contracts up front, including a guy like Nito Niederreiter, Dean, who scored uh, three goals in two games for his Nashville <laughs> debut. So I really think when you got Connor McDavid and uh, that group of 14 uh, forwards, including young Jake Neighbors, rounding it out. But you look at that depth up front for the Yetis. The one thing I'll say, Dean, and games played again. If the Yetis get hit by injuries, that's what held them. That's what had them back uh, in, in eighth place uh, last season, uh, fighting for seventh, eighth, was they didn't have the games played. And they still don't have uh, a protected list for that next man up mentality, like teams like Rock Republic, Kamikaze, you know, even the Titans are a team that has. Uh, a number of guys, depending who clears waivers, that could be the next man up. So uh, when I look at the Yetis, uh, their, their opening night 23 is number one on my list. If they stay healthy, I think they're the team to beat uh, with Scott Lowater and, and Connor McDavid leading the way. All right. So uh, poll question that I've just put up on our Twitch chat. Whose rankings are most realistic? Larry, Kyle, belly up, none. <laughs> maybe somebody thinks none uh so everybody can go uh, and i think belly up is leading uh the way right now i i'm i'm with you on the royals at number two don't believe arnie like don't get sucked don't anybody out there get sucked into arnie's we're in a rebuild bull bleep you know what because they're not and and you you didn't see you you saw through that facade so i'm glad you did the monarchs are an interesting team because in some rankings they were below us and in others you have them in in the top 10 obviously they made a big splash what do you like about the monarchs love their forward group dean they got three lines that can score uh, again, the cap is starting to tighten up on them. It's funny, they had all the cap space in the world. They actually traded with the Royals, acquired Matthew Kachuk, and then Josh Norris signs, and then this guy's Anthony Sorelli signs, and all these contracts are coming in. Some of them don't kick in till next season, but all of a sudden, the Monarchs go from, you know, 15 million in cap space to a, a huge cap crunch going forward, especially with the next year contracts that kick in. But, I, you know, Rasmus Dahlin and Seth Jones on the point, and, and then, you know, stacked up front, very deep forward group. Uh, that's That forward group, I think, is going to light up the UFHL. A lot of young guys in their prime, you know, Dubois and Kachuk and those type of players. I really like what George Batchel and, and the Monarchs have done up front. Uh, goaltending is the big question mark, the big uh, concern there. They did acquire Jake Allen uh, in exchange for a shipped out anti-ranta, but they're not going to get many points in goal and the defense is middle of the pack average, even though they have Darlene and Jones at, at the top end. The rest of the defense is Work in progress. But for me, the Monarchs, uh, Dean, one of my surprise playoff teams. Uh, I, again, saying parity is alive and well in the UFHL. I actually went, Dean, with five new playoff teams from mm. last season in the UFHL, according to these power rankings. 
Uh, in that Allen Conference, the Monarchs are one of them, as well as the Godfathers team. They kind of got the short end of the stick last season. They actually had more points than the Bentley Jacks and the Outlaws, but missed the playoffs based on the way the conferences worked. Uh, they since added Cole Caulfield, Seth Jarvis, uh, among others. The Godfathers, you know, guys like Rantanen, I think uh, is going to have a big year again. So the Godfathers, I have uh, in my safely in my top 10 and as a playoff team, as well as the Monarchs. And uh, who's my other new one in, in that division is the Eliminators, Dean. The Eliminators, mm. Some people say the Eliminators bought a team this offseason. They use ScoreCoin as an asset, and, and they acquired a, a lot of young talent, but a, a deep roster as well. They really shored up their goaltending, uh, assuming Alexander Georgiev plays well for Colorado and uh, Logan Thompson with the, the Vegas Golden Knights, although they have Martin Jones with the Seattle Kraken mm. as their number two right now. But... That situation will play out. But I think the Eliminators have overtaken the Stingrays, which is a big statement uh, in that Lemieux division. And Arlo Schultz, he's definitely voting that uh, my rankings are the most unrealistic. He's probably going <laughs> none because he ha- he hates the power he rankings. Does. But the, the reality is that the division-winning, Lemieux division-winning Stingrays had to unload guys, Taylor Hall, uh, Jordan Eberle, Zach Wierenski. And they have no they have no goaltending as of today. They might claim a couple goaltenders tomorrow, Dean, but Cam Talbot's out to start the season. And they previously uh, walked away from Craig Anderson's contract uh, in Buffalo. So uh, they were planning, I'm assuming, on using the waiver wire, the trade, to shore up the goaltending. But then when Cam Talbot got hurt and they already didn't have a backup, and they have, as far as that next man up that I talked about from the Yetis, the Stingrays have the least depth in the UFHL. They don't have any players other than maybe Jake Christensen and Igor Sokolov or Yegor Sokolov in in Ottawa might play some games this year, but generally speaking, there's there is no uh, next man up for the Stingrays, so they need their big guns to stay healthy. Uh, still, very much a, a, a playoff contender, but I have the Eliminators inching ahead. The brother-in-law battle, the brother-in-laws, uh, Luke Shawnwise inching ahead. Lo Schultz uh, in that Lemieux division for the third seed there. So Godfathers, Monarchs, and Eliminators in the Allen Conference, Dean. And then over in the Legends Conference, uh, I went with the Brutes and the Snipers in and actually took out uh, the Bentley Jacks, which won't be a, a huge surprise because they're uh, mm-hmm. in the in the sweepstakes for the, the B-Bad for Bedard race. Uh, their, their affiliated scout has the rights to Bedard. So they're looking uh, to already looking ahead to draft day as the, one of the franchises from the UFHL. But I also took out, Dean, the, the reigning Klein Cup playoff champion, Rock Republic, as you see at number 22 on my power rankings. They also had a bit of a sell-off in the offseason. But the one thing that can help Rock Republic potentially still get into that last uh, playoff spot or into a playoff picture in the in the or division, Dean, is that next man up. They have a very deep protected list. A lot of their prospects are going to get NHL games this year. And if they have injuries, they're going to have guys that can come up. So... Uh, Rock Republic isn't out of it by any means. I kind of have a 16 to 25 tier now, Dean, uh, of playoff contenders. I think 6 to 15 are pretty much locked in. So uh, it's going to be a battle for those last couple playoff spots. Last couple uh, wild card races should be intense and exciting in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Well, and it sounds like we might all have to move the Outlaws up in our rankings because uh, Nick Gutley has said a boatload of moves coming for the Outlaws, one of which will be a blockbuster. So maybe we'll have to move them up. But we are going to move now uh, to the National Hockey League, which also gets underway tomorrow, as does the UFHL. Well, both of them got underway last week. 
because we mirror everything about the NHL. So a lot of these award winners will probably be award winners in uh, the UFHL as well. Uh, but let's start with some individual uh, player awards. Uh, and we'll start right at the top. The big award, the number one award that every hockey player wants to win, whether you're a goalie, a forward, or a defenseman, and that is the Hart Trophy, which has really been debated the last little while when it comes to this. And and anybody that knows you probably already knows what your answer is, but lay it on us. Who's going to take down the Hart this year? Yeah, without a doubt, Dean, Connor McDavid is the, the most dynamic, talented hockey player in the NHL. He's the face of the league. He is the Hart Trophy winner. He probably should have been the Hart Trophy winner last season. 60 goals is a great accomplishment for Austin Matthews. But you saw in the playoffs, uh, Austin Matthews in the third period, down 2-1 against Tampa Bay. He couldn't elevate to take over the game. Then flip over to the Battle of Alberta and watch Connor McDavid take over a series, take over a game, uh, starting in the first round against Los Angeles. At the end of those playoffs, I don't think there was any doubt who the most dominant uh, force in hockey is. It's Connor McDavid, and I would be shocked if he doesn't uh, retake the throne as the Hart Trophy winner in uh it's going to take years for somebody to knock him off, in my opinion. He's the, the as close as it comes to the, the Gretzky. And I don't think Austin Matthews is the Lemieux to, to McDavid's Gretzky. I don't think he's quite on the same level. Yeah, as a shooter, uh, but not as certainly as a guy with that skill set that Mario Lemieux had. And listen, Mario Lemieux might have caught some of Gretzky's records had he been healthy. I don't think you'll ever see Austin Matthews outpoint Connor McDavid and I think you're going to see Connor McDavid motivated to score at least 50 this year and if he scores 50 and leads the league it's going to be pretty hard uh, to not give him uh, the heart trophy and and for you uh, the next graphic all I had to change was two words I had to change two words for the out Ross because obviously you're thinking McDavid's going to lead the league again yeah, that one's a slam dunk, I think. Barring injuries, I think Connor McDavid could play 60 games and miss 22 games to injury and still win the Art Ross. I think he's wow. that, that far ahead of the field. I think he could uh, flirt with 150 points this season, mainly because I think Edmonton's uh, only going to be better. They they added some more talent up front. The power plays, you know, as lethal as it gets in the league. I think a guy like Evan Bouchard's going to have a bigger impact. Obviously, a full season of Evander Kane on one wing and, and to be determined on the other wing. And I think Edmonton's going to find a way to bring in, you know, I think the the championship window is open in Edmonton now. And I think Ken Holland uh, is going to be aggressive this year. I think that 2023 first round picks on the table and they're going to try to bring in a guy like Patrick Kane at, at the deadline or somebody like that with retained salary to, to really give McDavid that stretch run and playoffs uh, another uh, impact player as a line mate. But yeah, I think he's going to run away with the Art Ross if he's healthy. And I think he can, Hang on, even if he misses uh, fifteen to twenty games. That would be uh, that would be kind of Lemieux and Gretzky esque if he was uh, to miss that much uh, that much time and still do it. But he was so he got such a fast start last year that he was so far ahead of everybody that that he could uh, still do that. All right, so if the Hart and or the Art Ross is a slam dunk. I think most people are agreeing with you when it comes to the Rocket Richard. So lay us lay it on us why you think it's going to be a repeat performance. Yeah, Dean, these aren't uh, surprises. These aren't the boldest, uh, most fearless predictions as far as uh, the, the first few award winners. But Austin Matthews, he does have the best shot in hockey. 
Uh, Mitch Marner's a great playmaker. They have a great chemistry. Their power plays. Uh, if Edmonton's number one, Toronto might be number two or three, uh, maybe behind Tampa as far as the, the most lethal power play units. So, uh, again, he had 60 goals last season. I think he'll be in that range again. I think he can be a perennial, you know, 55-plus goal guy, again, providing he stays healthy. Uh, I think Austin Matthews is, is great for the game. He's got a great personality, brings a, a little bit different element than Connor McDavid, obviously, but uh, two young superstars and, and, and no Austin Matthews. I do think he's going to win the Rocket, but I don't think he'll be an as uh, touted for the Hart Trophy as he was last season. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. And if that one was predictable, um, anybody who doesn't like yeah. – it was. It's probably this is as close to unanimous as you're going to get for the Norris Trophy this year. I think. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Connor McDavid being the most dominant player in hockey when the playoffs ended. Kale McCarr might be number two on that list right now. Uh, you know, obviously, fantasy wise, you might lean to some of the other forwards, whether it's uh, Matthews or Drysidel or, or you know Ovechkin, still whoever, uh, depending on your cat- category setup. But an actual. Uh, starting a league from scratch, if the NHL threw all the names back in the hat and they pick teams tomorrow, I think Connor McDavid's number one. I would think that Kale McCarr might be number two ahead of Austin Matthews. That's how dominant he is as a defenseman. And I think I said, Dean, that uh, I would take McCarr in the top five in, in a fantasy draft, and then I wouldn't take another defenseman probably in the top 20. So he separated himself as the, the top offensive defenseman, but you watch him play one-on-one, uh, against Connor McDavid in that Colorado uh, Edmonton uh, conference final. Uh, he's the one player that, that uh, skates fast enough backwards to, to keep stride and thinks the game on the same level as McDavid. McDavid's super fast, but he's also thinking two steps ahead. McCarr can keep up with him. So he's a, he's a shutdown defender as much as he is a, an offensive specialist. He's a great two-way player, and uh, he has a great partner in Devin Taves. That's the the NHL's top defense pairing uh, by a mile, but Kale McCarr for the, the Norris Trophy, without a doubt. I mean, Kale McCarr um, could go on a really good run here. If the NHL gives the award to the to the player who, who should get it, like when Gretzky was winning Hart Trophies over everybody, Kale McCarr should go on like a Lidstrom, Dominic Hasek, Paul, like the guys that won the awards for years. He should be able to to go to to drop one of those three four year runs as long as he's healthy of winning this award. Yeah, him him on defense and McDavid up front. I really yeah. think it's going to be uh, those two. That's why I say if you if you were starting the NHL from scratch tomorrow and whatever team had first overall pick, I don't think you can't pick McDavid first. But at number two, I think you can absolutely make a case uh, in the real world to take McCarr number two ahead of Matthews or Drysaddle or anybody else in the game. So. I think Kale McCarr is an absolute superstar coming off his first Stanley Cup win in that playoff performance. And uh, he's a young guy. He's under 25. I think he's just going to – he's still just kind of realizing how good he can be. And I think offensively, that's where, you know, uh, I don't think he's going to score 50 goals as a defenseman, Dean. But I think he could – you know, we saw Roman Josie hit 90 points last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Kale McCarr has a 100-point season, whether it's this season or in the next couple. I think he's that good from the back end. Paul Coffey at 47. Uh, that would be incredible if Kale McCarr took a run at that. But at least 100 points would be something that we haven't seen from a blue liner. I mean, Yossi season, and Yossi season almost got like brushed 
to the side because McCarr was so good, and, and 90 points is unbelievable. All right, so all the picks so far, I've agreed with you. This is where we disagree, and I'll preface this by saying I'm not bullish on any Tampa Bay player not named Kucherov this year because he's really the only guy who hasn't been all in on these runs. Stamkos was injured and didn't play somebody, but I think Stamkos, I think Hedman, I think Vasilevsky, who we're going to talk about next, I think a lot of these guys are taking a step backwards. Kucherov, because he hasn't played, and he's on my team. I would never wish ill karma towards a guy on my fantasy team, but I'm not bullish on Tampa Bay Tampa Bay players because it's got to catch up to you at some point. This is your pick for the Vesna. This is the first one we disagree on. There's a lot of hard miles on that Tampa Bay roster. You're absolutely right, Dean. Uh, and, they, and they lost players from last season. They didn't really add this offseason. The cap continues to be a challenge there, uh, having to extend guys uh, going forward. Uh, but for me, with, with the fact that the roster isn't as strong, if Tampa's still going to win that Atlantic division, it's going to be, you know, for, Vasilevsky gets forgotten about a lot uh, uh, because the forwards and the defense have been so good on Tampa that, oh, he's just the, the goaltender. Well, now he's going to have to step up his game in order for Tampa to main that championship level. And I do think, you know, a bit of an adrenaline dump, the hard miles catching up. I think uh, in order for Tampa to be a, a, a division winner, a conference champion uh, in the regular season, a lot of it is going to ride on Vasilevsky. And although he's played a ton of hockey and, you know, when does his body break down? He's such a big, strong man back in goal. And, and you know, Brian Elliott might get a few more games this year, but I really think uh, this is the year that Andre Vasilevsky can establish himself as the real franchise player in Tampa and the reason they, they are still a, a potential contender, you know, they, they fell short of the three-peat Dean coming up against a juggernaut like the Colorado Avalanche. But I don't think that, uh, again, the adrenaline dump factor is real. And, and maybe they're not as motivated now that uh, they've won two cups and, and the core group is sort of uh, getting a little older. But I really think Vasilevsky's the one guy who can make those big saves night in, night out. And keep Tampa as a, you know, don't sleep on Tampa. They're still a, a force and a cutter and I really think uh for the Vesna I know there's a lot of other good rushing goaltenders around the league but I really yeah. think uh Vasilevsky for me is is the guy this is the year he steps up and shows that as good as Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and Hedman are I'm the reason Tampa's as good as the Lightning are and and I think Andre Vasilevsky could win the 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 Vesna that would be the argument for him winning the Vesna is that he is the best player in Tampa Bay well, it, it could be you. You could be right. I mean, look at this guy. Who is this, Benjamin Button? Like, did, where did we get this photo from? His rookie year? Like, this guy looks like he's getting younger. The Tampa Bay Lightning have Benjamin Button in goal, and by, like, the end of his career, he's going to be, like, look like he was just drafted. He looks like he found the fountain of youth. So maybe maybe you're right. I'm, I'm not sure. You know what I love, Larry? I love when people we talk about are watching listen to this tweet that i got at duck millard no insecurity maybe some eagerness to be seen we are very proud of our off-season work and felt a 32 ranking was inconsistent with our retool big trade coming to just scratch us off your bottom 10 and put us in the playoff chase hashtag sale with the stars that's from from cam turner of the north stars i'm telling you when you get upset because you're ranked 32 there's there's a little bit of uh, secure insecurity and ego i know you're eager and i know you guys have improved and i'm not saying you're 32 but when you get freaked out and worked out like there was some upset people in that telegram chat the other day that and they you know i'm telling you that means you're you're just not sure 
And I love stirring the pot. You know that, Larry. And I think, Dean, I think, honestly, I think they, they look at their roster and they get, uh, I'm not just saying the North Stars. I'm saying every NHL team, every year, you, you fall in love with your own team. You do, yes. especially yes. the NHL. You've drafted and developed your core and the North Stars have made a ton of moves that they feel are upgrades. They wouldn't make trades unless they thought they were winning them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you look on paper, your depth chart, you feel like, hey, we, this is our year to challenge. And they made some big, impressive moves. Got guys like Logan Couture and, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously they had Jason Robertson and Matt Duchesne already. And, and they brought in a guy like Pajot who's going to get a lot of shorthanded time on ice and some of the new categories. And uh, their defense, I think, is going to have a ton of shorthanded time on ice that will really bump them up. So, uh, new categories in the UFHL. There's a lot of a lot of balls in play, but uh, I really think the North Stars improved. I think I had them at 31 last year and bumped them to 26. So again, up five spots. They they've made strides, but I don't think they're uh, capable of challenging. And they have the misfortune of being stuck in that Gretzky division, Dean, which is the deepest division in in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. It's it's eight deep now because the North Stars are trying to compete. But again, I think the Godfathers, the Monarchs, some of these other franchises took bigger steps forward this season. But I'll, I'll swing it back to you on the, the, the Vesna debate because I went with Vasilevsky. I know you had another name in mind. Yeah, Shesterkin. I, I think he takes over. Uh, and, I, and you know what? Kyle Hall, last week, who bought the Warriors today, is the, he him and I were talking, and I didn't realize the Rangers had as good a mix of veterans and rookies as they do. I think they're going to win that division. I think they're – I think – the, you know the the rain I haven't done I'll do my Stanley Cup predictions tomorrow but hint I think the Rangers are, are going to be a, a real strong candidate for a final four team for me and I think Shesterkin I would take Shesterkin as the first goalie in a in a dynasty draft right now yeah he's he's I mean if if, if Vasilevsky's number one for me Shesterkin was number two and I mean he was in the heart conversation last season mm-hmm. already so he's he's you know he's the best player in New York along with fellow Russian Panarin and uh, I'm interested to see how Vincent Trocek fits in there. Obviously, that's a different look at second-line center. And I think even though they're going to try and work that cap to try and reunite Artemi Panarin and Patrick Kane at the trade deadline as well, which would be huge for them if they could put uh, Patrick Kane on that top line with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad or however they work that. They got Kreider in there too. They got a lot of talent. Uh, young defense, like you said, but strong young defense. Uh, Fox, Truba. Uh, Miller, Keandre Miller, you saw the strides he mm-hmm. made in the playoffs. He's going to be a beast. Uh, young Zach Jones is good. Our, our UFFS digital athlete, Braden Schneider, is only going to be better. So uh, the Rangers are, are definitely a force. And I think Carolina, Dean, I look at, keep looking at that Carolina depth chart. They could have a third line, potentially, Dean, of uh, Jordan Stahl centering uh, Paul Stastny and a healthy Max Pacioretty by Christmas. That's your <laughs> third line. Those guys were... First liners, not too many years ago. There, it's a veteran line, but again, that top six in Carolina is awesome. Brent Burns added to the defense. I think Carolina. I did have the Rangers winning that division, the Metro division, in my NHL predictions, but Carolina right there, neck and neck with them. And uh, I think we'll see that rematch in the playoffs again. All right, let's get back to our uh, fearless predictions and uh, Maddie Beneers. I don't think a lot went right for Seattle last year, right from the very start. I mean, the Bentley Jacks blew them out of the water when it came to the expansion and everything. But this is going to be a different story. Uh, They really look buttoned down defensively, so... Hint, Seattle goalies might be popular and, and valuable this year. And they got a couple of guys that, that could vie. We're going to feature Seattle later in our Dauber Hockey preview. They have a few guys that could vie for the Calder, including 
Mr. Matty Beneers, uh, who, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously is, 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 is a, a franchise player. And they got another guy, in my opinion, who is a franchise player. So I think while Seattle laid an egg last year, the two guys they have in Beneers and Wright, I would build a franchise around these guys any day. Absolutely. Great one-two punch down the middle. I don't know if, if Shane Wright will be uh, an everyday player in the NHL as a rookie or if how, how Ron Francis is really going to try and ease him into the NHL. I know he said he expects him to spend the season in Seattle, but Matty Beneers played uh, most of last year at Michigan and, and got some international tournaments in and then came out and uh, uh, was a star down the stretch for Seattle. And you can tell in the preseason he's put on more muscle. I think he's even more explosive. He looks like a guy that can drive play as a true rookie this year. And uh, I know Owen Power, his, his Michigan teammate, is going to be up there in the, the, the Calder uh, race. But I think if, if Matty Beneers can get Seattle within, you know, 10 points of the wild card race, and that's a huge jump. And I, I think it's possible. I think Seattle's forward group now is at least three lines deep. But I think this year's Seattle team looks a lot like Vegas's expansion team, four Four lines deep up front. You mentioned Philip Grubauer as a bounce-back candidate. I'm definitely buying on that. I think uh, that's one of the reasons why Brutes are going to be so much better in the UFHL and, and be a playoff team because they have Philip Grubauer, and he went from you know Vesna candidate to worst goalie in the league. He's going to be somewhere in the middle at least. But I really think the, the they don't have a ton of like the, – their stars are their young guys, Beneers and Wright. But uh, I just look at that forward group in Seattle, and, and you'll see it on the, the Dauber – uh, line combos to Nadine, how deep that team is. And you're going to be like, wow, maybe maybe they can make a, a push. I mean, I think Vancouver, Vegas are still ahead of them in the, the push for a wild card spot. But I think Seattle's not that far behind. And uh, if you really wanted a bold, bold prediction, I'm not the guy to make it. But somebody's hmm. going to say Seattle's going to make the playoffs. EA Sports, they ran their simulator, their, their playoff simulation, which tends to have pretty good results. They picked Seattle as a playoff team. So EA's made the bold prediction. I think some other... Uh, between today and tomorrow when more predictions come out. I think somebody's going to step up and say Seattle's my boldest prediction as a playoff team, thanks to a guy like Matty Beneers, and, and they might just be right, Dean. I, I, I'm not sleepless on Seattle. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, it will be an interesting th- to see. I, those rookies are going to be a fascinating study in how you're right, how they bring those guys along. All right, uh, Coach of the Year is the Jack Adams Trophy, and you're you're all in on the Oilers, which we know you're a big Oilers fan. I have a hard time disagreeing with this pick because he has so many great weapons at his disposal. Uh, he seems to really have the buy-in from the players. Um, you know, and they have a goaltender, which I do not think they've had. And that's one thing an Oiler coach, in my opinion, in a long time has not had. And Jay Woodcroft won the poll for best looking coach in the NHL. So we had to get him on we had to get him on a graphic, Dean. Best looking coach in the NHL, Jay Woodcroft. But I also think, Dean, I you know, I love when coaches can add insight in their post-game interviews, pre-game. You know, again, obviously if, if things start going a little sideways, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the adversity. But as far as uh, his conferences and his knowledge, his insight into the game. Uh, I love the way Jay Woodcroft thinks the game. I love what he's done with Dylan Holloway in the preseason, giving him the, the top six push and, and the fact he's potentially starting with Dreisaitl and Hyman. I think that's great. I think he's confident in his young guys. He knows a lot of them from Bakersfield. 
so he's been in the system for a while. I think he's been ready to be an NHL coach for a long time. He finally got that opportunity, taking over midseason from Dave Tippett. Obviously took the Oilers to the conference final last year. Like you said, Mike Smith had some up and down moments in the playoffs. I thought Jack Campbell was great against Tampa Bay for Toronto in that playoff series, including game seven. He was save for save with Vasilevsky. I think that's a huge confidence boost for, for Campbell in Toronto game seven, the pressure of that game. Uh, and yeah, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl stay healthy, I really think Edmonton now has three scoring lines with Nugent Hopkins on that third line. Uh, and, and again, I think the defense, a, a guy like Brett Kulak's really impressed me. Ever since he got to Edmonton, I think he could be a bona fide top four guy. And I really think Ken Holland, again, whether it's Jacob Chitron uh, as a defenseman, whether it's Patrick Kane as a forward, I think the Oilers feel this is their first of four years. Dreisaitl has three years left on his deal. McDavid has four years left. This is the window to win. I think they're all in. And I think uh, a big part of the success starts with the coaching staff and starts with Jay Woodcroft. So I really do think he's going to contend for uh, the Jack Adams as the NHL's coach of the year. Uh, one thing we should point out, uh, fantasy GMs, NHL teams, and fans fall in love with their own teams as well. I I like the, I hope Kulak works out that way. I just hope it wasn't just an excitement of a, a playoff run and he reverts to a, a, to, a bottom pairing guy. But you're right. And... I'm, I'm not a fan of the three scoring lines. I just want to see Nugent Hopkins in that top six and load up your top six, but we'll see. We'll probably see a lot of that throughout the year at different times. It's not like, name me one coach in hockey history who has ever stuck with any kind of lines or anything. So the blender will come out as it does with every coach. And We had the MACT blender, we had the uh, McClellan blender, and we'll see the Woodcroft blender uh, as well at, at some point. All right, so that's the player awards and the individual awards we should say, coaches as well. Let's get to some team predictions now. And I asked you for one team in the playoffs and one team out of the playoffs in in each conference. You gave me a little bit more. I only had room on the graphic for this, but you can go with some of the other teams that you think will make it in and out in the conference as well. Yeah, I'll start in the West because I only have the the one there. I really think Bruce Boudreaux's track record in the regular season, Dean, he's uh, you know well above 500. He's one of the winning, he might still have the winningest uh, regular season coaching percentage. I think he'll find a way to get the Vancouver Canucks into that playoff mix. Uh, and somebody has to fall out, so I took the Dallas Stars out. No disrespect to Pete Dubor and, and the, the young talent they're breaking in in Dallas. But I think Vancouver could be the, the team that comes in in the West. And then over in the East team, uh, I'll focus on these two for sure. Uh, the, the Florida Panthers, reigning President's mm. Trophy winners. If you're looking for a bold prediction, uh, Florida fall at going from President's Trophy winner to out of the playoffs is certainly bold. Uh, especially if Aaron Ekblad was, was to suffer another injury. I think that defense is in trouble. I'm not a huge Paul Maurice fan. I think there's a goaltending controversy brewing already. Uh, and, and so many new faces up front. It's going to be interesting how the chemistry shakes out. Uh, Vice On the other side, I think the, the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dean, uh, you know, I, I don't know on the coaching front how things will work there uh, with a, a relatively new head coach still. Uh, and not a big personality like John Tortorella, but I really think the talent on paper, the Blue Jackets bringing in, uh, you know, now Patrick Laine extended. I think he's he's primed for a 50-goal season. If someone's going to take a run at Austin Matthews, it might be Patrick Laine in all honesty. Mm. He might be my number two for the, the Rocket Richard. Johnny Gaudreau obviously being there now. Uh, among other additions, I really like Columbus. I think Columbus makes the playoffs. And I kind of added a couple more, Dean. I had, uh, I think Washington 
and Boston might miss the playoffs as well. Two more kind of bold predictions. I'm really on the bandwagon of the Ottawa Senators and the, the Detroit Red Wings on that upstart Atlantic. And I don't think the Buffalo Sabres are too far behind. Had they done something uh, a little different with their goaltending, I might have had them in the playoff mix as well. But I love the parity in both these leagues. And so I'm taking four new playoff teams in the NHL, Dean, and five new playoff teams in the UFHL. So pretty crazy if we get between the two leagues, you have nine new playoff teams out of 18. That's half the half the playoff field would, would change over uh, from, from one year to the next though, or uh, sorry, that'd be nine out of 32, but yeah, still a, a big, a big prediction to see that many new playoff teams uh, in either league. Yeah, that would be movement is good. Movement is good uh, every year. And you know, it uh, forces teams not to be stagnant and you can't be stagnant in the NHL or the UFHL. So, when it comes to the final, um, you can t- tell us how each team gets there as far as the final four, but here is your final two, and then you can tell us who you think wins the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Dean, I got the, the Edmonton Oilers again. I think Jay Woodcroft uh, showed in the playoffs last year, especially in that Calgary series. He knows his in-game management is a skill. He can tell when guys are hot, when guys are feeling it, and guys... When he knows when to, when to start that blender and, and which buttons to press. So I really think uh, Edmonton is the team to beat in the West. I think, uh, although Colorado defending champion, hard to say they're not the team to beat. I really think on paper, and, and again, maybe this is the, the homer growing up in a family of Oilers fans, but I think Edmonton is a better team on paper outside of the defense. Colorado gets the, the, the big check mark for defense, but forwards and goaltending, I side with Edmonton. Uh, I think they have more depth up front and, and certainly a, a more steady, proven goaltender now that I think uh, Edmonton could beat Colorado in a rematch in the, the Western Conference final. And the Eastern Conference, Dean, I have a rematch in the East. My final four, even though I predicted uh, four new playoff teams in the NHL, my final four is the same as last year. Uh, no suspense there. I have Tampa again beating the Rangers in that vasilevsky Shesterkin russian goaltending duel. Uh, again, I took Vasilevsky for the business. So I really think Tampa, Edmonton in the final. And my winner, Dean, is the Edmonton Oilers, the 2023 Stanley Cup champions. Edmonton over Tampa Bay in seven games. Game seven would be in Edmonton. I think Edmonton has more regular season points than Tampa Bay this year. I think Edmonton wins that Pacific Division and goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Wow. Well, uh, as the haunch said, uh, not surprising. It would be Edmonton uh, that that you would pick. And listen, I, I I have a hard time disagreeing with you. I I grew up an Oilers fan. Um, I would like to see the Winnipeg Jets have more success. But when I look at this Oilers roster, you could have two fifty goal scorers on it. Uh, the depth is there if they get the goaltending. If Broberg can step in and Bouchard, if you know, there's there's some ifs. Every team has some ifs. Mm-hmm. I think the Oilers have more ifs than the Calgary Flames personally. Um, but it's going to be fun. The Battle of Alberta is back after we all thought it was dead when Kachuk wanted out. So that's the. I think that's the great thing about this off season is teams that you you thought sucked or we're going to suck, like Ottawa, Montreal, they got better. Um, There's teams that took a step back for sure, but right now is when optimism reigns supreme for all 32 NHL and all 32 UFHL teams, so they should enjoy it while they can. Absolutely, Dean, and I think we'll have some surprises this year. Uh, Even though I have the same Final Four, I think there'll be surprises along the way, uh, both in the NHL and the UFHL. I think we'll see some new playoff teams. I think we'll see some some breakout stars, and uh, I just can't wait for the season to start, Dean. Uh, 
This is, like I said, this is Christmas Eve and uh, wishing all the best and all the success to, to all 32 franchises in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League this season, including Duckman's Domination. <laughs> I hope you guys can make things interesting in that Legends Conference and, and within the Or Division. Yeah, well, we might have to hit up Kyle Hall. Everybody's for sale, uh, so we'll have to. It's like sounds like a wrestling slogan or something. We'll have to hit up Kyle. But Larry, awesome to chat with you again. Uh, we wouldn't be here without the amazing work you did. Uh, I hope we certainly get things uh, back on track and uh, we can do this more regularly again. But everybody misses you, man. So thanks so much for joining us. Don't be a stranger and uh, enjoy the season starting tomorrow. Sounds good, Dean. Thanks for having me again, and all the best this season. You betcha. There's Larry Fisher, uh, the insider uh, for UFHL teams, the encyclopedia of knowledge, and so fun to talk. Like We went so much longer than I have to apologize to Larry later. We went way later uh, than I expected. So so just now, I, I got to roll into our previews because we got Jamie Thomas coming up in 12 minutes. So let's get right to it. Larry said the Kraken are going to be better than you think. Well, that's not hard. They weren't good last year. And and, and when he said, when he referred to them as being closer to uh, that, that Vegas team um, than maybe the uh, Seattle team from last year, I think he's right. Uh, I mean, when you when you look at this roster, um, I think Matty Beniers uh, has a real opportunity uh, to do some special things in the league this year. As Larry uh, had pointed out, he thinks he's going to win the Calder Trophy. Um, I think that uh, Matty Beniers could end up leading this team in scoring. Uh, it it you know some things certainly need to go right. But I certainly think that's a possibility. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand is an interesting player who has had some success, was a terrific junior player in in Portland. Uh, And maybe this is the opportunity where he's going to get to play with Matty Beneers, most likely, to start the season. And I like Vince Dunn. I like Vince Dunn uh, as another guy who was buried behind other guys uh, in St. Louis at times. Uh, so, again, I don't know if this team is going to be massively offensive. Uh, the sleeper for me is Philip Grubauer because I think they are going to be better defensively. Grubauer signed that big deal after a season in Washington, did not have a good season, especially in fantasy. And my breakout player is Shane Wright. Especially if uh, if you look at these lineups uh, in the Dauber Hockey Fantasy Guide, which we gave away last week. It is awesome. I look at Shane Wright with the potential to play second power play and third line minutes and really, really get sheltered minutes. I mean, Matty Beneers is going to take on every top player the other team has, and that's what he is going to be. Ron Francis is in Seattle. Matty Beneers could be their Ron Francis, a guy that, you know, Ron Francis is one of the top five scorers of all time, but also could absolutely... Check everything and your hat all night long. So I think Beneers is it's going to be interesting. You might see Yanni Gord taking some uh, minutes off of him at different times. I like Jaden Schwartz as a potential sleeper. Jordan Eberle. Jordan Eberle playing with Shane Wright could be a fun, fun connection. So I've... I'm I'm liking this. Larry likes the Burakovsky Wenberg Bjorkstrand line. Um, Justin Schultz, an opportunity to get some uh, second power play time, and then, like I said, Philip Grubauer. 
this could be the year for him. You know, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not bullish on the uh, Kraken to make the playoffs, but I do like their their uh, potential. I hope John Hayden gets some some playing time, but it's a much better looking team this year, and we'll see certainly what happens uh, with the Kraken. They'll go this year as their young players go. And that means, like, I'm not saying it's all on them. I'm just saying, like, I think you know what you're going to get from guys like Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand. If Beneers, if Wright, if uh, Wenberg, if some of these younger players can step up, they can make a, a difference. But certainly, they can make a difference in your fantasy team. Now, here's a club on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to fantasy. And this is a plug-and-play Stanley Cup contender and fantasy contender if you target their players. My opinion, the St. Louis Blues are one of the best-built teams in the NHL and in fantasy. I mean, that top line could be absolutely bonkers for how good they could be. Tarasenko, Thomas, Pavel Budnevich. They could all be 80-point guys. Ryan O'Reilly does everything well in fantasy and puts up close to 70 points. I mean, this is a good team. Forwards, you got top nine potential. Well, Clem Costin is gone now. He was traded uh, to the Oilers. But you still have top nine potential. You have terrific blue liners. And Jordan Bennington is a good goaltender that that wins games. I don't, it's interesting. The uh, Dauber Hockey is predicting Thomas Grice to take away quite a few of those wins. I don't see that. I think Bennington is a 30-win, 35-win guy. I, and I love this St. Louis team. I think they are built to win again. So if you are looking at a team, and, if you, and some people like to do this. They like to take pairs and, and teams and things. Load up on the Blues. I think you're three lines deep on this team. And at least, you know, Perinovich is going to be out with surgery. That sucks. But you're three lines and two pairs deep, and a goalie. I love the Blues. I think they're a great hockey team. They're well-coached. They're hard to play against. They have skill. Bullish on the Blues and the Rangers. Maybe that's a hint of my Stanley Cup final. I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away. But it's impressive. So... Once again, here's uh, Larry Fisher's uh, power rankings. Then here's the belly-up power rankings that got everybody upset, including the North Stars at 32. My, my. Like, I don't think we should be 12. I don't think we should be that high. I just love it. And here's Kyle Hall's rankings, and he is now an owner. Where did he rank the team he bought? 22. I don't think they're better than us. So... Anyway, I love the rankings. I love it when we're ranked low because it gives us, we tack it up in the Duckman's Domination Bulletin Board. And it's fuel. Give me fuel. Give me fire. You know? 
But seriously, if you take these rankings too seriously, you'll drive yourself crazy. You, you really will. And Larry's right. You always fall in love with your own players, man. Everybody fall. I do. You should see the expectations I have. And, and I talk to Craig Button every week about this. Manage your expectations. When you draft a player, manage them. When you sign a player, man, have realistic expectations. If you don't do that in fantasy or in real hockey, you're going to be disappointed more times than not. So get realistic expectations and be smart about it. So much variety in the power rankings. Wow, fun to be looked back on them. It will be fun. Uh, That's from Larry. Blues versus the blue shirts would be an interesting final. It would be. I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see if that's my prediction uh, when time comes uh, tomorrow. All right. uh, When we return, Jamie Thomas is going to join us. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about the National Football League. Here's the question of the day. Who is underrated in fantasy football right now? Nick TVIP throughout Geno Smith. He is absolutely right. I said Saquon Barkley because... He was outside of the top 10 for most ADPs, and he's basically top two, top three running back right now behind Nick Chubb. And in our top three, just simply asking who are the top three NFL teams six weeks in. I got the B Eagles. I almost said the Beagles. I combined them. The Eagles, the Bills, and the 49ers. I don't have the Chiefs because they're playing tonight. I don't think it's fair because they haven't played six weeks. If this question was asked tomorrow, they will likely be in there. But right now, through six weeks, I like the 49ers. I like what Jimmy G is doing. He might not be winning you your fantasy league, but he might win the 49ers, the NFC. Eagles 49ers would be a pretty awesome conference final. Other news today, Matt Rule fired as Carolina Panthers head coach. Last in quarterback rating, last in offensive efficiency, last in yards per game. 25 straight games they lost when giving up 17 points, which I'm sorry is not a lot of points. I'm sorry it's not a lot of points. And by the way, if you want to make a bet on the Monday nighter, we have some cool prop bets to throw your way. If you want to make a bet, head to at Duck Millard on Twitter. Use the link in my bio at Duck Millard to get a 125% bonus when you use that link. And then you can go and make some prop bets. Here's some prop bets we found. Pat Mahomes, 279 and a half passing yards. I think it's safe that he covers that. Take the over. Josh Jacobs, 59 and a half rushing yards. I think that's a that's a no-brainer. He's the only guy running the ball. McCole Hardman, 21 and a half receiving yards. This is one that I am torn on. I'm saying under. Mac Hollins, 30 and a half uh, receiving yards. Or Mac Hollins. 30 and a half receiving yards. Take the under on that. And Juju Smith-Schuster. 52 and a half receiving yards. 
take the over on that one. So a few prop bets uh, to get you going for tonight's contest. The Monday nighter between the Chiefs and the Raiders. When we come back, my good friend Jamie Thomas will join us and we will dive into the weekend that was totally wild when it came to baseball. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. We're back in a second. Just after 5.21 in uh, the Eastern time zone, um, in the Mountain time zone, it is 3.22. That's that's how we do math on this uh, when it comes to time zone. I have a giant chart in front of me so I can uh, try to never forget uh, the time zone changes. But some wild changes uh, in... Um, the NFL, uh, well, I guess not really wild because Jamie Thomas predicted it last week with Matt Rule uh, getting fired, uh, the first coach uh, to be fired in the National Hockey League. Uh, so uh, that was pretty impressive that he was able to do that. Uh, but now, Matt Rule, the, 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 the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers are terrible. They're last in, I, I pointed out all those different categories uh, that they are last in. Um, last when it comes to quarterback rating, offensive efficiency, yards per game. They lost 25 games in a row when allowing 17 points. That's not a lot of game. That's not a lot of points, man. That is not a lot of points. As uh, I bring in, um, I got to get the camera up here. Uh, my good friend, uh, Jamie Thomas. My man. My man joining us. And you called it last week. You said, this guy's going to be the first guy fired. And when you look at those numbers, it's not really surprising. They were terrible. Sorry, there's like a <clears throat> mini earthquake going through my house here as I try and adjust my camera to fit the screen here. Hold on. Dare, there we dare go. You, dare you, Gold. You're Golden Pony Boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad I was uh, accurate on who was going to get fired first. It's like it's... <laughs> <laughs> I went to bed last night or this woke up this morning going, I am so thankful that I can predict which coach is going to get fired first. So thank you for pointing that out to everybody. Um, and it was almost like an obvious thing, right? It just, they never 
whatever Carolina did, they just never looked like they're going in the right direction at all. So David Tepper, the owner, has some serious work ahead of him as he tries to restore the Carolina Panthers to a half-decent franchise. Not the easiest thing in the world to do, but uh, unfortunately for Matt Rule, his NFL calling is not there, but I'm sure he'll have a college job sometime down the road here. Yeah, and it's just uh, college coaches struggle in the NHL. It's like rinse and repeat. It happens very, very often because, as you mentioned, personalities are are totally different. So uh, not surprising, I don't think, there, and uh, we'll we'll see what else happens. But, man, baseball was ridiculous over the weekend. Like, listen – the, the wild card format is a, is a win for me. I know some teams might not like it, but it's better than one game. I thought it was terribly exciting, and I think the only thing that would be better is if you could somehow go do some home-and-homes, but the, the travel is, is just too crazy to do that. But now we have a, a bit better of a postseason picture, so let's talk about the three things you learned uh, from the Major League wild card weekend. Yeah, the format was incredible. And I, I was all for, you know, that one game playoff for the wild card spot to get into the playoffs. That, that was fantastic on the, on the Tuesday and the Wednesday after the regular season. But if you're going to add more teams in and you want more drama, one game just isn't enough. So the fact they did it, you know, three team or all three games uh, in one team's uh, building or stadium, and the fact that three road teams won. So that, that <laughs> disputes the whole – Oh, the home team advantage thing. Well, if you finish higher than somebody, there's got to be some advantage someplace. But it didn't work out for three of the four home teams, and there was drama every night. And I know, you know, you know, you look at Cleveland, Tampa Bay. It was a sweep, but they were both decided by one run, and one of them was in 15 innings, and it was a walk off. So there was plenty of drama to be found. We we don't really need to go over the Blue Jays, what happened to them, but that's drama. Uh, if you're a Seattle Mariners fan or a fan of baseball and comebacks, that, that was amazing. And then just to have a series in, in, for the New York Mets and to have them in there and, you know, it was the only three-game series that went down. It, or, yeah, and it, it had all kinds of drama. So, and the fact that the Mets, and I know I'm going to get this in a, sec, in, in a second, but you can't win a series where Max Scherzer and um, J- Jacob deGrom are your first two starters. Yeah. I mean, that, that's so Mets. That is so New York Mets, but it's still uh, that, that's number three. We want to I want to jump the format here at all, but the format rocked. It was amazing, and let's do it again next year. So that was fantastic. Analytics suck in baseball. Analytics, for the most part, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I still understand that it's placed in sports. Uh, you know, there's the nerd herd here in Winnipeg that work for the Jets. They do a fantastic job. But when it comes to pulling, Kevin Gossman was brought in for this type of situation to win the big game. He got the two outs and. You know, you, you want them to close out the inning. And the, the, just the overthinking that goes on in something that doesn't need to happen. A guy's making 18 to 19 million. That's his job to finish off the deal. So why are you? And I understand his replacement didn't doesn't didn't give up a whole lot of home runs. And I'm, it it just sucks. Gossman got those. He had to load up the bases, got the two outs, and then you let you pull him from the game. And that doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm sure Schneider will be sitting there looking at this a little bit later, maybe overthinking this. But that's why analytics suck. Um, and then last but not least, the Mets, man, they're, they're left to wonder. Like it was, it was a magical ride for them all year long. They spent a lot of money. You know, the ownership group has kind of got things right. It was exciting in New York. They had home field advantage. And I already said Scherzer and DeGrom on the mound. And that's just seemed that that should be enough to win a, a best out of three series. But there, I think if you're any team and uh, anybody that was eliminated in the, in the wild card round, it's the Mets. And it sucks what happened to the Blue Jays and there's lots of what ifs, but 
that team was built to me to, to win in the postseason in the New York Mets, and it, they didn't do it. And uh, that, to me, was the biggest failure. But you can't be upset in postseason baseball because it's the best teams. Mm-hmm. So I understand that the Padres didn't have the best record, and they struggled after they made the big trade and everything. But it's still – you can't be upset how those things happen because just anything can happen, and, and someone's pitching can be unreal one day. And even though you're looking behind their ears for – whatever it is uh, for any type of illegal substances. But that, I, mean, I understand when people get frustrated, but it's the best teams that are left over. Your, your team's not always going to win. And, uh, and it, it's terrible what happened to the Blue Jays to be up 8-1. But you just didn't, did you, when you were watching that game, did you feel comfortable? I did not. Like if I'm, if I'm sitting there going 8-1, okay, it's eh, still lots of time left. But when that home run went over to make it 8-4, I'm like, oh, not, not so fast, my friend. And the way the Mariners have fought and clawed their way back in the playoff picture, that's the last team you want to be sitting there ahead of in that format. So um, I don't know, man. I've just seen so much, so many things melt apart in the Toronto market. You just never feel comfortable. Well, the Mets, first of all, they blew the division. So they have nobody yeah. to blame but themselves. They blew the exactly. division with Scherzer and DeGrom, and then they lost this series with Scherzer and DeGrom against the Padres exactly. team that did everything to not make the playoffs. So the Mets have nobody uh, to blame but themselves. And and I don't know what you're talking about. How did you not think it was over at 8-1? Like, I didn't even, when he went out and took out Gossman, I didn't even think it was going to matter because it was 8-1. to one. I like for sure he yeah. shouldn't have done it. It's Kevin Cash all over again. Remember Kevin yeah. Cash? That's why the Dodgers have a title because he went with the analytics instead of the feel. My father-in-law, we were talking about it last night, and he said, "Does no manager manage by feel anymore?" And and I don't know. It's certainly when decisions like that are made, it seems like the feel is taken out of the game. I I don't even know. If- guys manage anymore in baseball i i truly don't i i just think they're a face half the time decisions are being made for them most of the time and there are a lot of managers in baseball that have a ton of experience buckshell walter um that don't need help i'm sorry it's just it in some situations sure if you're unfamiliar with something but buckshell walter has seen everything yeah. like i'll even use rick bonus rick bonus what hasn't he seen yeah that expansion you know, team to stanley cup finals in. yeah Right. And how many different teams has he coached? He's been all over the NHL. He's played. And I just don't know um, in, in a, with a decision like that. So I don't know. I just, I think I've just seen too many meltdowns of all varieties for the Blue Jays and they're young and just what you can just tell where Seattle's a little bit different than they were. They just had something going on and Toronto fought off a bunch of slumps during the season, but I just think they're still too young to be able to handle when things go wrong and sideways when they when they when they should feel entirely comfortable, I, I just think they were tr- pressing too hard. We don't need to, you know, Bo Bichette. I don't know why you're going to the outfield when that's to me that's the center fielder's ball. Yeah. I can go down the list of the things that that because you're panicking. You're panicking. Yeah, that's what young players do, and it's yeah. just it's natural. You're not born born with uh, nerves of steel uh, in that situation. You haven't been in it enough. That's what experience is. So, I mean, as soon as those things happen to younger teams, that's just what sports is. Experience is everything in every situation. 
Well, uh, Vlad Guerrero was right. The, the the trailer was last year. This year was the movie, but nobody knew mm-hmm. it was going to be a horror movie that was going to end yeah. uh, so so badly. But it is October, so tis the season. All right, so the baseball double now. This is an easy one. Two teams you think are going to be in the World Series. Yeah, well, I'll start with the American League. And, and I know what the romantic way to think of this would be the New York Yankees, but I just – Houston, to me, you got Justin Verlander starting game one and of the ALDS, and he's on six days rest. And I think his, his, his numbers are just disgusting when he has that much rest. So it's already one nothing for Houston when that series. And I know Seattle, it's a great story, and they, they came back and they fought their way in the playoffs, but no, it's just Bregman and Jose Altuve had an incredible second half. Those two at the top of the, of the Astros order are dangerous. They'll cause problems for Seattle. They'll cause problems for whoever they play in the American League Championship Series. It just it just seems like Houston is meant. They're the best team in the American League. I don't think there's any question about it. And the Dodgers, to me, there's three reasons. It's, I don't go by first name, Mookie, Trey, and Freddie. Mm. Those three at the top of the Dodgers order are wreckers. Like, that's, you can't get through all three of them without damage being done. And if I look further down the road, the Dodgers' top three starters or the way they're going right now are all lefties, and the Astros hit the crap out of lefties this year. But we're not going to talk about the prediction who's going to win this whole thing. It's just Dodgers and Astros. They're playing into November. I don't see how this goes any differently. Sure, the Padres are building off a lot of momentum right now, but the Dodgers beat the crap out of them in the regular yeah. season. They're in their heads. Like it's, it, they're going to need – you, Darvish, is going to have to be unreal for them to even have a hope. And I get that they built this roster for this situation to go head-to-head with the Dodgers, but please, move over. Like, Juan Soto, yeah, okay, it was a great trade. You kind of started to turn things around a little bit. But, man, I'm sorry. It's just the big brothers in California beat on the little brother. It's science. That's what's going to happen. Dodgers, Astros, book it. Don't put your house in the line or anything like that, but just Dodgers and Astros. Well, it's the revenge tour too, right? You've either yeah. got Dodgers, Yankees, and they've got a great uh, series coming out about the seventy-eight to to eighty Dodgers Yankees uh, rivalry oh with gosh. Reggie. That's that. So that storyline is great. Or you have the give us our trophy that you stole back in uh, twenty seventeen against the. So it's a great story as long as the Dodgers get there and one hundred eleven wins. There, this is the quietest one hundred eleven win team I've been hearing about because nobody there's there were so many other incredible stories. Nobody was talking about just how the Dodgers were just absolutely just destroying teams down the stretch, including the Padres. Yeah, and I think I, I think the home run, you know, things that were going on with uh, Aaron Judge, um, of course, and Albert Pujols, that totally distracted everybody to how dominant a season this was for the Dodgers. And maybe people are just like, oh, it's just the Dodgers again. I don't know. It's the same way Connor McDavid's like, oh, Connor McDavid's the best player in hockey again. I don't know if he should be the Hart Trophy winner, but that's another debate for another time because I just get mad when people try and tell me anything differently about that situation. It's like, oh, I'm not, I, could, I, I can't. I'll just go on a tangent. 60 goals, 60 goals, 60 goals, 60 yeah. goals. Yeah, I, whatever. Oh, 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 60 goals. Oh, oh. Yeah, forget it. Anyways. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Okay, he's going to score uh, seventy this year, Dean. Did you know that? Did you know he's going to score seventy this year? If how can if, you stop him? If he does score seventy, then I would probably look to it, unless McDavid has like one hundred and eighty points or something like that. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, those guys aren't underrated, but there is uh, our our question of the day was who's who's an underrated mm-hmm. fantasy football player? This is a great choice that you you have here, Ramondre Stevenson of the Patriots. I mean. 
I, I said it. If you had, were in a coma for the last 10 years and you woke up and looked at the AFC East standings, you'd be like, what the hell is going on? Why are the Patriots sucking? But they're not yeah. sucking when it comes to fantasy production from uh, the, the RB23 and CBS Standard Leagues. Right. And Ramondes, like, I'm only saying this because of what's going on right now. And I'm not saying underrated from a, to- from a whole, you know, piece of the pie thing situation. I'm talking about right now. Only because... As you know, anybody to do with a New England Patriot running back, you want to stay the hell away from in fantasy football. It's just right. because it's just the running back by committee. But it's war of attrition right now because there's guys like Damian Harris is nicked up. Ramondo Stevenson is the only healthy guy right now. And you saw it yesterday. New England went up against the top the top scoring offense in football. And I can't believe I'm saying it. It's hard to say it <laughs> without smiling. The Detroit Lions had the best offense in football heading into yesterday's game. They get shut out in total Lion fashion. And you know what? They just kept giving the rock to Ramondre Stevenson. And if they don't have that running back by committee, this is a guy they're leaning on. <laughs> Zappy was their starting quarterback. So what are you going to do if you're Bill Belichick? You're going conservative and you're going to run the football and you're going to lean on your defense. That's exactly what happened. And that's pretty much what the formula is going to be for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots for the rest of this season because they just – until they – Mac Jones gets a little bit better, but they just do not have a good offense. They have a great defense, and if they can control the game on the ground and eat up some clock, which they're going to do with Ramondre Stevenson, you might have yourself a little blue-chip player uh, week after week, as long as Damian Harris stays out of the picture in New England. All right, uh, the NHL season uh, is on us tomorrow. You, of course, are uh, part of the uh, Winnipeg Jets radio broadcast uh, in the Central Division. And one of the teams we focused on today was the the St. Louis Blues. And oh I, I, I think this team is dominant, man. Like, this team yes. is built to win and beat you up and provide a lot of fantasy talent. I mean, like Braden Shen... And uh, Ryan O'Reilly, these guys are our second and third line gems in fantasy. And you get to see this Blues team a lot. How good are they in person? They're, they're just, I recall a game when they came to Winnipeg last year, Dino, and it was, you know, overtime, three on three is fantastic. It was the first time I've seen it in a long time. They didn't have a lot of chances, but all they did was control the puck. It was actually pretty frustrating to watch because if they didn't like what they saw, they would just go back in the neutral zone. Ryan O'Reilly would swoop back. Jordan Kyrou would swoop back. Robert Thomas, they would just keep going into the offensive zone. Oh, I don't like it. They'd go back to the offensive zone. It was all about puck possession. I don't even know if the Jets touched the puck that much outside of Connor Hellebuck. They end up winning the game. Um, but they're je- you're right. They are, they are big. There's a reason why I believe the Jets – will end up going with Logan Stanley and Dylan Sandberg mm-hmm. and Sacramento Linen on their roster. They need size because the Central Division is heavy. St. Louis is one of those reasons. The Jets play St. Louis um, second, the third week of October, their third home game of the, of the month. Um, and it's, it's, they are, those games are something else to watch. There's lots of stuff going on at all time. Even if it's a one nothing game, there's great goaltending. There's lots of hitting. They don't like each other. They're are some of the funnest games that I, I get to watch. But St. Louis is a legit, you know, Stanley Cup contender. Somebody the Jets are going to have to deal with uh, and beat if they want to get in that top three in the Central Division in order to get a better positioning in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But it is going to be a lot of fun. You got Nashville, you got St. Louis, you got the Jets, you got Dallas. Colorado, like Dallas. And yeah, well, we won't even talk about the other three because they're just not worth talking about. But it's it. Those five are going to make things very interesting. 
uh, throughout the regular season. And I think that the Central could very well have five teams again in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I think it's the the most competitive division. I think it's so tough. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Blues are a team, like, if, if you're brand new to hockey, I tried to get Mooch to take the Blues. He ended up going with Detroit, yeah. which is, hey, that's a good franchise as well. Stevie Y, Original Six. But I tried to get him to go with the Blues because – they're not the most popular, you know, St. Louis isn't the no. biggest market, but they had such a great story with Gloria when they won the cup and Baruby. Yeah. And this team is tight and fun to watch. So if you're new to hockey, the St. Louis blues are a great team to say, I'm going to watch these guys. Cause you're going to be entertained and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that building is pretty fun to be in. Oh, it, it's a great building. And that it was that building where Patrick Laine had his five goal game too. That's and right. I've been, I've been to St. Louis enough time. A great hockey city, like great fans. Um, they're a heavy team. They, they, they're built to play, to, to play deep into, into, into May. That's just, that's how this team is built. Great coaching staff. Like it is, it's a well-run organization. One of the Jets top rivals. So mm-hmm. a lot of respect for the St. Louis blues. And if you want to go anywhere in the central, you got You got to get through St. Louis. Okay, so lastly, you just brought up line A. Uh, we had Larry Fisher on earlier, and he said uh, if, if uh, line A, <laughs> yeah, exactly, the encyclopedia, hockey, hockey encyclopedia. And for kids that don't know what an encyclopedia is, just ask your parents because yeah. there's no encyclopedias yeah. anymore. Like, they might have one what, in the basement. You never know. What happened to encyclopedia salesmen? Like, they, they, just, they, they, they just don't, they don't exist anymore. It's weird. I know. But anyway. You can't even log your kids anymore, Dino, because they just look up stuff online before you can just say, just look it up in the Encyclopedia. Yeah, that's just, right. The Encyclopedia Britannica will have all yeah, your go answers. Get, go get A, and we'll go through A. We'll start at Alligator, and then we'll go through yeah. the list or whatever. Yeah. But we'll Line all A. In. Yeah, Line A. He, Larry thinks Line A could get 50. Johnny Gaudreau's there. You've seen Patrick Line A. Obviously, yeah. maybe one of the streakiest scorers. I mean, that one year, he had so many in November and then not anymore. Oh, Do you think Line A has the potential to get 50? He always does. Um, as long as, you know, Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau will change a lot of things for him. Somebody actually get him the puck. They do have a lot of, a lot of skill in Columbus. Um, just you, ha- you have to wonder if there's enough where they can just focus on, you know, Jacob Borkacek's always there uh, to help out and, and so on and so forth. But I, I think I, Line A will always have that ability if A, he can stay healthy and B, somebody's feeding him the puck properly because I'm sorry, there hasn't been – for Line A, he doesn't have Blake Wheeler feeding him the, those beautiful passes mm-hmm. through the seam right now. And I know that could change with Johnny Goudreau. Um, I hope so because uh, he is so much fun to watch. And even in a one-on-one situation, so anything can happen. He is one of those guys where you could pay money to. It's it's, it's uh, unfortunate things didn't work out here, but the Jets have some pretty good players thanks to that trade, and uh, we'll, they'll they'll go on from it. But uh, Patrick Laine always will always be one of my favorite players to watch. Beauty, my man. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. This is going to be a fun game. I mean, my fantasy yeah. matchup tonight, I've got both running backs, Jacobs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I'm going up against Mahomes and Waller. So, like, I'm yeah. sweating because it's it's close. This is a great Monday night football matchup just to watch, and I'd imagine there's a lot of fantasy matchups on the line going into this game with so many weapons. Yeah, especially with Patrick Mahomes, who just beasts on the Raiders. So there's there there will be a lot of points tonight. There will be a lot of I think a lot of close finishes, uh, especially for you and your in your game as well. But man, it, it's anytime it's the Raiders and Chiefs, it's so much fun. 
Um, still love that Christmas commercial from NFL.com. Remember the one with the guy is, is dating a girl, is going to dinner to meet the girl's parents, and they're all Chiefs fans. He's wearing the Raiders sweater and the lights go on. She's like, shut it off. Shut it off. He's like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> it keeps lighting because they keep getting touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Shit. I know. <laughs> one of the best commercials ever. Yeah, yeah. It'll be an entertaining yeah. game tonight. Thanks, as always, my man. Uh, enjoy the season hey, that gets underway, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, see you next Monday, pal. You betcha. There's uh, Jamie Thomas of uh, Jets TV and the executive director of our uh, Twitch channel here at UFF Sports. Always fun to catch up. What a good day today. Larry Fisher, Jamie Thomas. It's Canadian Thanksgiving, Monday Night Football tonight, the eve of the Stanley Cup season. Man, is it going to be awesome. My man. That was my man, Jamie Thomas, who just joined us on the show. All right. We've been going steady here. Let me take a quick break, get a drink of water. We'll come back, get into some prop bets and more when we return after this.
7 in the East. Thanks so much for being a part of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily here on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. My name is Dean Millard. Pleasure to have you aboard. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow. Uh, Same time, same channel. 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. You can also catch the replay on uh, our YouTube channel, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, and in audio podcast format, uh, wherever you get your the best podcast from. Our question of the day, who is underrated right now in fantasy football? I went with Saquon Barkley. He's doing everything. He's taking direct snaps. He's running the ball. He's catching the ball. He was obviously uh, not a very high-drafted running back in uh, ADPs when you were doing your draft, but he has uh, certainly shot up uh, to an RB2, only behind Nick Chubb in standard formats. Also, through six weeks, who are your top teams? I didn't put the Chiefs on here, as I mentioned, because they're playing tonight against the Raiders. We'll get to some prop bets in a second. Uh, But I like the Eagles, Bills, and 49ers. I really like everything the 49ers have, including their quarterback, because he doesn't make mistakes. So I'm riding the Jimmy G train, and I think the 49ers can ride it to the Super Bowl as Super Bowl appearance. Will be a phenomenal game if they go up against the Eagles, because both teams have terrific defense. Matt Rule, the first head coach fired uh, today uh, in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers, awful. How do you lose 25 games in a row when you only give up 17 points? That's not a lot of points. They got smoked 37-17 by the Niners. Uh, By the way, Draymond Green, he's stepping away from the Golden State Warriors after he punched Jordan Poole in the face. In practice, I don't know if you saw this or not. This video is wild. Green has said, "quote I failed as a man and failed as a leader." So he's stepping away from the team to get things figured out. Monday night football, some prop bets for you. Uh, take the over on Mahomes. I think he puts up three hundred. Josh Jacobs, I would take the over. I think he puts up uh, at least seventy. Uh, I would take the under for McCole Hardman and Mac Collins and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Mahomes hits them for 65 tonight. So uh, there's that. If you want to bet responsibly, head to at Duck on Twitter. Click the link in my bio and get 125% bonus when you make your first deposit. And, of course, Major League Baseball will return tomorrow with the divisional games, uh, big big uh, matchups in uh, UFLB. Trying to find the uh, the graphic here. Uh, Cavalry took out the Black Bears. Well, I guess we know which Black Bear is better now. It's the Devil Bears, or which Bear is better? It would be the Devil Bears because the Black Bears got knocked out. Tough break. Uh, the Reapers will play host to the Woodpeckers who took out the Wild Boars. The Prairie Wheat Sox, the number one team, the Branch Ricky Champions, will take on the Defenders, who knocked out Northern Fury. And it's the Isotopes uh, winning over Moonshots. They'll face uh, White Walkers. That one, uh, those will all start tomorrow. I think the draft is uh, actually tonight. Uh, 
that they are doing. So uh, good luck to all uh, UFLB teams as well. All right, so when you look at the the National uh, Football League, that call yesterday on Tom Brady, the roughing the passer against the Atlanta Falcons, I mentioned it earlier, is embarrassing. I mean, it's not as embarrassing as letting a quarterback go out into the game when he shouldn't, but it's still embarrassing. So you, you went from not protecting a quarterback and allowing him back in the game to wrapping bubble wrap around these guys? Embarrassing. Child, please. What are you doing, NFL? Get it together. So uh, the other thing that we really didn't get into today is what happened last night with the Padres and the Mets. Joe Musgrave passes the test and then he stuck it to the Mets. So he did have shiny ears. Like, I haven't seen ears talked about that much since I went, like, Dumbo the Elephant Man. Like, it was, they were shiny, but, I don't know, Buck Walter asked the umps to check it. They looked at the hands, the glove, the hat, the ears. They didn't go through his hair like, uh, who's the other guy that they went through his hair earlier this year? And then he, he got it done and just fed it to the dugout, to the crowd. Good on him. And good on Buck Showalter as well for doing it. This is the playoffs, man. Playoffs? You do everything. It's kind of like the illegal stick call. Remember the Habs in 93 with Marty McSorley and the Kings called an illegal stick? And one of the reasons the Kings did not win the Stanley Cup. You do anything that's allowed in the rule book. Houston Astros, I'm looking in your direction to win in the playoffs. I had zero problem with Buck Showalter asking for that. You're trying to get him off his rhythm. Now, the Padres had a problem because they're insinuating that they think Joe Musgrove is cheating. I don't care. You think what you want. Buck Showalter said after, I don't care what people think. I, you're trying to win the game. You play to win the game. Remember somebody said that? So I, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was funny. And I thought Andrew McCutcheon tweeting out about that he guarantees he's wearing red hot. And Musgrove said after he wasn't. But buckle up. It's just getting started. Just getting started. Uh, Phillies and Braves will kick things off tomorrow, 1.07 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Ranger Suarez, an all-lefty matchup. Uh, Suarez versus Max Fried. Uh, Freed 14 and 7, 248 ERA. Suarez 10 and 7, 3.65 ERA. The other National League series will get underway at 9.37 p.m. Uh, I still haven't seen any probable pitchers for this one. I'll just uh, refresh here. And yeah, I, I'm still not seeing any uh, probable pitchers uh, for that one. Uh, they could be out there. I'll check uh, one. Oh, here we go. Kershaw against uh, Mike Clevenger. How, like, how does Major League MLB.com not have this? But another website does. So Clevenger versus Kershaw. This is going to be fun. I, I, 
I do think the Dodgers are going to win, but I think the Padres are much better. So you got Suarez, Freed in the one matchup, Clevenger, Kershaw for the Dodgers and uh, the Padres, Mariners and Astros, Justin Verlander, Cy Young, he's going to win the Cy Young, 18 and 4, Buck 75 earned run average. He's going to take on uh, Logan Gilbert of Seattle. You, you want to talk about different ends of the spectrum. Logan Gilbert has 19 wins in his career. Justin Verlander has 18 this year. Now, Gilbert was great this year, 13 and 6. 174 strikeouts in 186 innings. That's good. 3.2 ERA, but it's not Justin Verlander. Still, Mariners... Don't count them out, obviously, like the Jays did. And then uh, the Guardians and the Yankees. And, you know, so what does Cleveland do now? They just fended off a really good Tampa team. All three games by one run. One of them went into the 15th inning and it was a walk-off, as Jamie said. They're going to throw Cal Quantrill up against Garrett Cole. Quantrill 15-5. and five. 3.38 ERA, battle of righties. Uh, Garrett Cole, 13-8, and 3.50. Garrett Cole, susceptible to the long ball. Cleveland, they can hit. They can hit the long ball. It all starts tomorrow. 11.07 Mountain Time, 1.37 Mountain Time, 5.37 Mountain Time, 7.37 Mountain Time, and the NHL kicks off tomorrow with a couple of games. It is going to be absolutely dynamite, as Jimmy Walker used to say. That's it for me today. Big thanks to Larry Fisher, who popped back on the show. Also, Jamie Thomas joined us on the program today. Had so much fun. Got a couple more rankings out there. Riled some people up. Love doing it. Stirring the pot. Can't wait to be back again tomorrow. Enjoy the Monday night of tonight. Go Raiders. Chiefs, Raiders, we'll recap it all and everything else that comes up tomorrow as well. My name is Dean Millard. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you today. Enjoy the Monday Night Football Contest. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.